welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone in the ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 10, Episode 2, which is titled The Lost. The episode aired on October 2nd, 2003. Lauren, what was going on that week 20 years ago? A bit of a slow news week, so let's say an early congratulations to the power couple of the Joss Whedonverse as actress Allison Hannigan and actor Alexis Denisoff tie the knot. The couple are still together to this day and have two children. I love I love them both so much. I love uh, Allison Hannigan. The Rock takes another stab at being a leading actor as The Rundown, the adventure comedy that also stars Sean William Scott, Christopher Walken, and Rosario Dawson, debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office. I don't think I've ever heard of this movie. Well, I just bought it at Half Price Books the other other day, so... Because it was only $5. Uh, So... I, I did uh, a few weeks ago listening to 302010 when they covered the 20th anniversary of this movie. They did actually kind of go to bat for it. Like they were like, it's not a great movie, but it's a it's, fine it's fun. movie. They were like, it's fine. It's you can tell why they kept casting the rock and things. And they were like, there's also this really bizarre uh, scene early on in the film that is kind of a passing of the torch moment between The Rock and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it was born entirely out of the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger was visiting The Rock on set, having lunch with him. And they basically were like, hey, do you want to be in a scene? And he was like, if you can shoot it in the next 10 minutes, sure. And so they did. And so now there's this weird kind of passing of the torch moment where uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is like weeks away from leaving uh being an action star behind for a good 10 15 years so that he can go be governor of california and pretend to be a politician uh and the rock is kind of taking over his mantle as the uh the big action yeah. star in hollywood of note he's still credited as the rock in this role he's not yeah. dwayne johnson right. yeah they didn't start doing that until like i want to say maybe 2008 ish was when they kind of gave up on trying to or or maybe wwe's lawyers finally came along and were like hey cut that shit out uh unless you want to cut us a check because is he uh, still wrestling at this point? He's very part time at this point. Okay, like yeah. he's 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 extremely part time, and when he does come back, he is Hollywood Rock, uh, which is one of the more enjoyable heel turns maybe ever. Where he comes back and he's like Mister Big Time. Um, it's I don't know if it's on WWE Network anymore uh, because it uh, has some licensed music in it. I think, but there's a rock sing along where he does a concert in, uh, I think, Sacramento, where he just eviscerates the city of Sacramento uh, as heel rock. And it's a really funny clip. So if you find it on YouTube, it's definitely worth looking at. Uh, I I need that in my life, but also I'm horrified. And with that note, uh, Shake Your Tail Feather by Nelly, P. Diddy, and Murphy Lee is still your number one song. Daniel, what else was on? At 8 p.m., we got Friends with the episode The One Where Ross is Fine, which is... Uh, one of the few friends things that I feel like I, if it's what I'm thinking of, I feel like I have a frame of reference for this that is actually memorable. It's that, that uh, gif of Ross being like, I'm fine. Like I, I feel like I quote that or use that on a, a regular basis. So I feel like this, I, I at least, if this is the thing that, that it seems like it is. Um, at 8.30, Scrubs with My American Girl. 9 p.m., Will and Grace with the episode Last X to Brooklyn. And at 9.30, Coupling with the episode Size Matters. 
This week's episode had 20.7 million viewers tuning in, directed by Chris Chulak, who's getting nominated for an Emmy for this episode for Best Director. Uh, doing his 22nd out of 43. Of course, last time we saw him was uh, the season nine finale, Kissingani, and written by showrunner John Wells, doing his 25th out of 32 as a writer. And of course, we just saw him last week with uh, the season premiere, Now What? Uh, and as you might imagine, because we're doing a little field trip to Africa this week, no Weaver, no Pratt, no Corday, no Abby, no Susan, no Chen, no Gallant, or Romano joining us this week. All right, and our previously on is brought to us by one John Carter, MD, and he is on a flight to Africa, and as a man tries to make conversation with him about his business, who's really fucking nosy. But let's listen in. You sober? Sorry. You look sober. I make it a rule to always land in Kinshasa drunk. It's my third. Steve Davison. John Carter. Uh, Shell Xerox? No. <laughs> Will you give me a second? I'll figure it out. I would say Coke out of Atlanta, am I right? The new bottling plant. Sorry, no. Excuse me, Ma. May I have a, uh, another Doors, please? D'accord. Could I get you something? Okay, I give up. Who are you with? Just here on a personal matter. Well, there's not much competition for the seats, is there? I guess the See a Brutal Genocide tour package didn't sell very well. <laughs> so what about you? <clears throat> Why are you going to the Congo? I'm with the embassy. Financial liaison. Further the American investment interests abroad. Spreading the democratic ideals one Big Mac at a time. Merci. So, personal matters, eh? A friend of mine was murdered. I'm gonna go bring him home. Ah. I'm sorry to hear that. You need to see a familiar face while you're in Kinshasa. You give me a call. Thanks. S'il vous plaît, monsieur. This guy's character name should be Steve Exposition. <laughs> Like, it's very, like, it's very happenstance that he also just happens to be on this plane and becomes very, like, crucial to Carter's adventure. Is it just me, or does his accent move all over the fucking place? It's a little muddled. It's a little muddled. I feel like it's a little bit Australian, a little bit English, a little bit South African. Like, it's kind of like... A little bit drunk. A little bit drunk. Which I guess maybe that plays into it, that he's slurring his words a little Mm. bit. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, the this guy here. Bef- before I get too far, uh, Steve Davison, who is played by actor Sam Hemmings, who appears in stuff like Four Good Days, The Neon Highway, and Memphis Beat. And I was thinking about this as I was listening to that clip. It's been a couple days since I watched the episode. Perfectly fine episode. Don't get me wrong. Um, great episode, even at points. Um, I feel like this episode, from a production standpoint and from a directing standpoint, obviously because it was nominated for an Emmy for that, um, is superior to Kiss and Ghani. I feel like the Kissingani uh, script was a little bit tighter than the one for this one. The one for this one feels a little first drafty and feels a little bit like too convenient. Like everything, everything in this episode is just a little, little too convenient that to to drive the big you know plot twist towards the end. But it's um, still a great episode. Yeah. Uh, so Carter lands and Jillian yells for him at the gate. Um. They grab lunch to talk about what happened along with, um, I think, Andre is 
This is the uh, colleague who joins them here. I may. Oh, uh, this is the one from. He was the one who was here in the last yeah. episode, right? Uh, Charlie. Charlie, thank you. Yep. Yeah, Charlie. Uh, and Carter asks about Luca's body, and she just runs away, cannot handle it. And we learn that there's been a staggering amount of death in the last two weeks. So, like, just it's it's impossible to find anyone right 10, now. Ten thousand yep. people killed. And mm. is. And as that note, this is maybe, I don't know if this is one of the most irresponsible places for a Twinkles <laughs> ever. I don't know if it's supposed to be like a haunting Twinkle. But like you I would think, think so. oh, 10,000 dead. Bang. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like I could see the conversation yeah. happening in the editing room where yeah. they go, oh, well, this feels insensitive. A little like, bit, yeah. <laughs> like we need, to, just, we need a softer touch. It's just such an odd thing because we always think of Twinkles as like, oh, the magical little slow intros and things like that and it's like here we're gonna we're gonna talk about a really unfortunate genocide and we're gonna bring right. in some light twinkles i feel like i feel like this was the perfect example of like tw- twinkles being the best of two bad options <laughs> like yes. there wasn't really a good way to intro this episode without it being a little insensitive and i felt like twinkles was a better choice than oh the oh no what? i just had a horrible thought maybe keep it to yourself you walking intrusive <laughs> thought oh right how here's the question how much do you trust daniel to edit it out once you leave your once <laughs> once it leaves your mouth mm. she's she makes a solid otherwise point. type it to me in facebook chat and only right. to me so it can you stay can, safe <laughs> you can say a lot of things when you uh, have the power of the edit but when you don't boy it really like uh... like the lauren soundboard that's currently being built <laughs> soon it will be able to just go to work for me it'll be great um but yeah with that being said responsible or irresponsible sound cue aside we see carter waiting in the red cross office and jillian says it could be days of waiting which ironically right after that her friend andre meets them three seconds after she said it could be days um they got a list of the the known dead from the mai mai and were allowed to go and recover surviving non-combatants and belongings and luca's uh badge with his photo Mm -hmm. on it was uh one of the effects among the remains retrieved and this is covered in blood so right off the bat excuse me does not bode well at all things are a mess not looking great for anybody um and i've sent it to you lauren i saw and carter asks if they can get the body back and it doesn't sound like mm, it's gonna be very likely it kind of depends on when the fighting is done because they're not gonna go into an active war zone to get bodies when there are bigger priorities happening and they say carter probably has to talk to about four other branches to try and find out who can get them the body back and so this is just gonna be, be the worst game of telephone ever for carter this episode and then from there this there's several flashbacks that happen with this episode and i tried my best to keep them clean but the first one is a flashback to 22 days earlier when carter and jillian left and we see the same shots we did from 922 when Mm. they're leaving luca and we see him walk enchanted back into the clinic to take care of people which um Two things about that. One, somebody in the listener responses pointed out that the timeline for this episode is a little fuzzy. Like, no. that, you know, Carter leaves Luca behind, returns to Chicago. So you can say, you could argue maybe there's like two days of travel, maybe, let's say, because that's a long, long haul. So we'll say there's two days of travel there to get from the Congo back to Chicago. Then he basically gets home, is home for, for, 
a, a matter of hours and then is back at work, which is season uh, 10, episode one, works for a day and then starts packing his bags to turn around and leave and come back to the Congo. And he's like, I'm leaving immediately. He ba He basically says that. So let's say another two days of travel for him to get here. We're talking about a max of five days since he left Luca. And they say that it's been 22 days. And it's like, okay, like I've, I could see maybe like they, and I, maybe that's what they were getting at with the whole them waiting at the Red Cross thing. Maybe it's been a couple days since he arrived in Kinshasa, but they're definitely playing fast and loose with the timeline with this episode. Um, and then also, too, was it just me or did it feel like that flashback scene had a little bit of Uncanny Valley going on where I couldn't decide if they reshot that scene or not? Like I couldn't either. It, I don't it, think It they feels did. very Tracy. Like, it feels like they're just doing the line reads again, getting as close as they can, but for some reason they didn't want to reuse the footage. I didn't do, like, a side-by-side -side comparison to see. Maybe I should have. But just, there was something about it to me that felt reshot. I think it's the same footage, personally. It could be. It could very well be. Then we go over uh, Carter. Someone is suggesting to him that he speak to the Croatian embassy since Luca isn't a citizen. And yeah. it's like, does Croatia have an embassy in the Congo? Right. Uh, no. No. Yeah. The look on the guy's face when he suggests, when he says where Luca is from, when he, he's like, does Croatia have an embassy? And he's like, oh, God, no. Like, he, the look on his face is like, oh, God, no. Um, and our State Department guy here, who doesn't get a name, uh, but was a very recognizable face, uh, actor Tim Kelleher, who uh, appeared in stuff like 13 Days, Independence Day, where I think I knew him best from, where he's one of the like control room guys mm -hmm. when they're having the big army, the military scene towards the end as they're blowing up the, uh, the motherships. Um, and what I didn't realize until I did the, uh, the notes for this, uh, that he has been in an ER movie that we fucking covered for Patreon, TMNT3, where he was the voice of Raphael. So shout out to this guy. Uh, apparently he's part of the TMNT, TMNT canon. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, but he also was talking to the State Department guy, asked if they can set up some sort of an exchange for the dead, and not for weeks, if anything, like that. Um, so Carter asks if they can speak to... So if he can speak... Carter asks, on their way out, so on their way out, Carter asks if they can speak to Mr. Davidson from the flight, and Mr. Davidson says, no, there's not really much that can't be bought here. So, and cut to Carter immediately taking $20,000, or putting $20,000 on his credit card and getting handed cash. Now, I have a Discover card, which lets you do, like... 1500 max lizzie uh, he's got a rich boy credit card i know but just like yeah but it's huh? another it, it is another a little kind of example of how some of the writing of this episode again not from the direction production cinematography performance any of that stuff i'm not criticizing any of that this is a great episode put your keyboard away jen um i'm i'm talking about the the writing of this episode the script of this episode is a little bit first drafty there's a lot of hand waving going on so i interpreted it as he actually did like a proper money order and um they just nope. use credit card as like a hand wavy thing i'm yes. just saying like the, i know i know i know he says it but i'm just saying in my mind i filled in the fuzzy shit that doesn't make sense and overwrote it with it it's fine he put in a money order yeah well i'm gonna go with what they explicitly said which is they he borrowed it against his credit card yeah which you so. know, like i said it, it's not i don't think 
out of the realm of possibility, given, like Lauren said, his rich boy status. He probably has some kind of black card or something like that. But but I feel like any fraud department worth their salt on a card like that, oh, this person is with is withdrawing $20,000 <laughs> in Kinshasa, in the Democratic Republic of People's Republic of Congo or whatever it's, the Democratic yeah. Republic of Congo or whatever it's called. In the Congo. Right. Like, hmm... That's a little odd, would, isn't that would it? Probably raise some red flags in the uh, fraud department, uh, for sure. Uh, but like I said, that's that's just another example. This episode of how I feel like some of the writing is a little little hand wavy and, yeah. and could have done with another draft. Like I get flagged uh, if I try to buy something from the UK. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I I had one time I had my credit credit granted this was like 10 plus years ago but I had my credit card shut off on me one time when I was in New York just because I didn't make a point of calling the bank to tell them I was going to be traveling to New York and so they saw all these like routine charges of like you know get, uh, convenience store bodega like Lego store whatever you know they, they saw all these weird charges and they just without calling me shut my card off and so I went to go use it at a like a restaurant and it came back declined and I had it was a huge mess and then so the next time I went to New York I made a point of like uh, going to my bank and like talking to somebody and being like hey Look at me. Look at me in my eyes. I'm going to New York. Do not turn my card off while I'm there. And the like they looked at me like I was crazy. Like <laughs> they were like, "Oh, okay, sure." And I was like, "No, no, 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 no. Don't gaslight me." I'm like, "You turned off you turned my shit off last time because you said I didn't tell you. Now I'm here telling you and you're looking at me like I'm crazy." Like that's you don't get to do that. I don't know. Weird grudge with a credit union from like 10 years ago. What do you, what do you want from me? People don't uh, forget. Uh, th- right? People don't forget. Look uh Lauren's nightmare this episode begins as we're doing another like converging timelines <laughs> uh, thing. Just what just what she needed. Uh, we do a flashback to Luca 19 days earlier, you know, air quotes. Don't think about it too hard. Uh, we see trucks rolling by, government soldiers retreating, and Luca and Patrick uh, are visibly concerned. So uh, and then we presumably flash forward to Carter and Jillian in uh, Kisangani. They see how awful the situation is for the refugees and how in-demand resources are. They go back to the hospital from last episode and visit Angelique. And he drops off all the stuff he stole from County, including the microscope. I was so happy that they like kept up the continuity and like he still had the stupid microscope. Um, and she seems like visibly impressed that he uh, he na- was it man- and managed to get all that stuff uh, in with him. I forget what it was he said he tried to grab, but it wouldn't the fit in The portable his, uh, chest x-ray. Yeah, portable x-ray, that's what it was. But it wouldn't fit in his carry-on. Uh, and so she jump, has him jump right in and ask him to help with an abdominal uh, GSW. And he's like, I'm not a surgeon. And she's like, well, the guy who has been helping me didn't pass the sixth grade. So I think you'll be fine. <laughs> so uh, Then we go to 17, quote-unquote, days earlier with Luca. The boy with whooping cough needs more amoxicillin. And Luca, my man, did you know that they could scrunchy up Luca? scrungy up <laughs> i mean how else would you no that's, describe him that's absolutely accurate i just have, don't know if i would have ever thought to use scrungy yeah this but episode yeah. this episode is a social experiment to see how badly you can fuck up goran vishnik and have uh middle-aged american women still want to fuck him like that's exactly what this episode is it's just a 45 minute social experiment to be like how how badly can we fuck up the appearance of this man and still have you know minivan driving soccer moms just 
just losing jo- it. Jonesing. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he's looking rough. He's checking the little girl's dressing where her leg was amputated, and he and Patrick are going to do a little bit of a cleanup. Uh, they get a radio They get a radio call that the fighting is getting worse and is heading towards them, and the girl's mother very lovingly gives Luca a cross and says, but he says, oh, he's not a good Christian. And the mother here, I can't remember if we mentioned this uh, in Kissingani because she was in that episode as well. Um, and I think something tells me we mentioned this when she showed up originally. But um, just in case I, mi- I missed it, the mother is played by actress Barbara Eve Harris, who appeared in stuff like FUBAR, Messiah, and the TV series Prison Break, and has 110 credits to her name uh, and did appear in an early season nine episode as a different character. Uh, so I can't remember if we covered that at the time or what but in any event this is her uh her last appearance this episode back to present day uh jillian is asking for debbie at the kisangani red cross station and um she's like oh you know you'll like debbie she's your type and of course she's carter's type because she's skinny and blonde and we find out a little bit later she's got kind of a strong personality so of course carter's like "Mm, i'm in uh and he asks if they can get him into kivu and says he has the cash to help, to which she very bluntly points out, no, our heads would be on literal sticks if word got out that we were paying the enemy for stuff they could use for munitions. Mm. The Red Cross is entirely dependent on neutrality. Absolutely not. Um, And there's more time needed, but she says, hey, you can at least come along to help retrieve the wounded and ask around the camps in Matenda. So he's at least kind of getting his foot in the door to get out to the region. Oof. And uh, Debbie here, who I was very surprised to see show up. For some reason, I had like compartmentalized her character entirely within the second half of this arc, which is, you know, much, much later on down the road, like 2006 time frame. Um, so I was really shocked to see that she was uh, showing up this early. Debbie is played by actress Mary McCormick, better known as We Have Maria Bello at Home, uh, who uh, has appeared in stuff like Deep Impact, In Plain Sight, and K-Pax, and is making her first of six appearances through 2006. Am I alone in that? Like, she literally looks exactly like Maria Bello and... Uh, I have Anna gotten Del- them confused in the past. And Delamico. Like, but Mary just, McCormick's voice is much more distinguishable. Well, yeah, it's a little it's a little different voice-wise, but just physically speaking. I mean, like, I know they would never bother to do this with uh, such a, a forgotten character like Anna Delamico, but there, I would love a, a brief moment of, like, do I know you from Carter? Like, just, you, they look exactly the same. Like, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's always bugged me. Uh, I feel like I, the even... I just realized where I recognized her from, so now I don't feel as crazy. There you go. Uh, we go to the the next flashback. 16 days earlier this time, uh, the mother of the little girl asked Patrick if the Mai Mai are on the way in. Uh, Patrick wakes Luca up because they need to evacuate. Uh, Luca spiked an awful fever, potentially has malaria, and uh, we see them running away from the clinic with patients in their arms to kind of get away from the bombing and the gunfire, and you get that, you know that the the money shot of uh luca running through the you know walk running through the village with a you know injured child in his arms you know as if uh as if access to birth control was not a hard enough problem in america like now you got Lu- now you got goran vishnik running through a bombed out village with a an injured child in his arms Jesus. uh <laughs> we go back uh to the present jillian and uh debbie are talking about how cute carter is and I love that there's very little, if any, like, 
implied interest on Jillian's part. Like they let Jillian be her own character that doesn't really have much of anything to do with Carter on a romantic level. Like she's she's kind of almost like a wingman. Like she's almost like way more interested in like helping him get laid somewhere else. Like she has very little interest in Carter, and, and I, I, I appreciate that. I love how everybody just kind of throws shade on, like, Jillian's ethics when they mention the thing about, like, well, wasn't that one dude married with, like, five kids? Yeah. And she was like, yes, so? <laughs> like, what happens in the Congo stays in the Congo. Yeah. Uh, and then we had her back again. They, they do... Is, was it just me as I was watching this too, or do they also get a little sloppy with the timestamps on these flashbacks where they, they sometimes tell you how long it's been, sometimes they don't? Like, it's like they, when, they kind of got tired of their own bit. When they didn't, I assumed it was roughly same day. Yeah. Just to try uh, and make sense of it. Yeah, so again, we're going back to, again, kind of the 16-day time frame where they're now sitting in the pouring rain, and uh, Luca is literally sitting in this on the ground no cover no nothing and it's just shivering and like again we are fucking this dude up and uh again refuses any medicine from patrick that uh, could be used for a little boy who's traveling with their party who is also ill so he's like no 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 save all the iv medication for the boy i don't want any of it and uh patrick at least comes over and covers him with his jacket hmm. uh, and then we are back with carter they are at the matenda clinic with the Red Cross squad, uh, and they find the clinic is completely burned out. Just kind of a burned out husk of itself. Uh, and Carter screams at the armed Mai Mai people sta- uh, that are standing guard. So it's like, what the fuck do you people, why the fuck do you people are, think you're doing? If you keep shooting us, there's going to be no one left to treat you. Yeah. Right. If you keep burning down hospitals, where are you going to go when your moms get hurt? Where are you going to go when you get shot? Yeah, uh, and that, that's another, like, uh, that people, one of the criticisms of the last episode is that the last episode was a little too white savior. I actually found this episode to be more of the white savior flavor uh, than last one. Like, or not not necessarily white savior, but just like a little bit white. Preachy. Le- preachy, luxury. Like, it was, I don't know. Like, there, there's this scene here that is a little bit like, okay, Carter. And then, then there's the scene later in the episode where it's really heavy handed where I'm like, okay, like now you over the line, over the line, Chulak, back it up just a little bit. Uh, but so they go inside the tent, they go inside the surrounding tents. And of course there's blood everywhere, which we will find out why soon enough. Uh, Carter finds what looks like Luca's sandal. Uh, and they took the body. They, they find out they took the bodies to Cassis. A town called Casillas, and they may still be there. And with that, we go to 15 days earlier, and Patrick is checking on Luca, who is curled up in a ball. Many of the other patients left, except for the mom and daughter, who were worried about Luca. And uh, Patrick gives Luca quinine for his malaria, sent the little boy off with the other bag of it. And uh, they don't have the radio, because they left it in the camp. And Patrick says that, that they should go back to the camp and get it now because, you know, the Mai Mai will have looted everything they need and have moved on. Yeah, okay. Right, the um, logic on that is so fuzzy. Uh, Debbie won't go with them to Cassis to find the body, and we learn that a group of women sitting near the clinic were all sexually assaulted as Jillian and Charles are doing intake for them. 
Um, and as Carter goes to examine a woman and help, he suddenly sees the father and the boy with whooping cough, who he recognized from Kisangani episode. And he runs over and asks what happened with Luca. So they are not shying away from the horrors in this mm-hmm. episode at all. It don't it it just continues to be awful from here. But it is a um, it is a perfect example though of I, I do have to give them credit for this. It is the perfect example of how you can be unflinching in your portrayal without mm-hmm. being exploitative. Yeah. There's not a exactly scene there's it. not a scene like depicting um that, but there is every possible reference to it and you clearly understand what is happening and you mm-hmm. understand like the horror of it like you like all of the emotional impact is still there but without being graphic and without being like i said exploitative where it's just you're doing it just for the sake of like shock factor they actually managed to like toe that line incredibly well so i have to give them credit for that we um go back 15 question mark days later they uh go back to the camp and as they're walking forward suddenly a group of Mai Mai emerge from the grasses and start walking behind them as they walk to the clinic door and Patrick says keep walking do not stop do not talk just keep walking towards inside and Luca stops to talk and gets decked in the face oof like you do happens to Uh, me all the time yeah (laughs) who hasn't who hasn't been decked in the face I don't know. Uh, so let's go to our second audio, a second of only two audio clips here. Uh, this one's a little bit of a longer one. Carter and Debbie are just having a little chat at night. You want a beer? Beer. It's warm, tastes like formaldehyde, but it's wet. Hmm. No thanks. What is that thing? Radio? iPod. Digital music player. Fancy. What are you listening to? Le Nubian. Le Nubians. No Dixie Chicks? No Dixie Chicks. Hmm. You don't like the Dixie Chicks. So they just left them there? In the jungle? Congolese were afraid to be found with Luca and Patrick. And that's all he knew. That's all he knew. Do you ever get worried that these guys are going to get bored and just start shooting? I don't think about it. If I did, I'd probably never leave Seattle. You know, I consider myself reasonably well informed. But before I came, I hadn't heard a thing about the Congo. Nobody at home gives a damn what happens out here. There's no oil here. Millions of people are slaughtered. And we're too busy eating Happy Meals. What are you doing here? I don't see the type. What's the type? Macho adrenaline junkies and save the world peacenik freaks. Which one are you? Which do you think? 
I don't know what I'm doing out here. I've been seeing this woman. She's great. But it ain't good for her or for me. It's simpler here. People need help. I can help them. Take the rover over to Cassis while they load the trucks. See what we can find out. Thanks. I, I want to start with the lighthearted stuff first. Uh, we went from Game Boys and cassette players to now the iPod. I was so happy about that. In the span of this show so far. Uh, that's one. Two, ugh, when he describes his relationship with Abby and he's like, she's great, but it ain't good. Yeah. Like, ugh, what the fuck? It's honestly the Is this part... the scene you were referring to with the big, the uh, white, not white nighty stuff, but... Preachy. No. Preachy. No, but uh, this one toes the line a little bit. This one toes the line of, like, not so much white knight preachy stuff, but just, like, a little bit sanctimonious, I guess is the word. Yeah. Like, it's just a little bit, like, it's a little bit, like, uh, preachy liberals like kind of thing I, happening yeah. there where it's like oh we're so consumed with our happy meals we're not considering the horrors of the world okay man like just calm down just a little bit like this it, it didn't like go over the line for me but like it was it was definitely like getting there but yeah i i agree with about the uh the technology stuff that was definitely the the thing that like not dated the episode but it definitely like marked where we were in the timeline the most of just like holy shit like the shiny new toy of the iPod. It not to take us completely out of like the seriousness of this episode, but God, it made me miss my iPod video. Right. Yeah, no, I know. I, I even got a little nostalgic, not that they were good. They were actually terrible, but like, I got a little nostalgic for the OG iPod headphones that he was using too. Like he had like the ones that aren't shaped like the inside of an ear canal, but are like oh, a, just, just a, a super circle, round. super round, hard plastic that if you had them in your ears for longer than 20 minutes, they would bleed. Like it was, <laughs> they weren't a great design, but they, they definitely have like a certain nostalgia attached to them. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about this episode I, I find that ages the poorest is, like, the the continuate, like, the fucking, like, interminable, interminable slog that is the Carter and Abby stuff that just will not die. Even as we're trying to, like, lift his character up out of the mud and, like, okay, we're gonna, like, prop him back up and, like, he's, he's sort of, now he's, like, white savior Carter and, you know, it's whatever, like, we're, we're, we're trying at least. And I am just like, God, do we have to keep belaboring this point? Like, it's over. Like, it is over. All the signs are pointing to it's over. And yet we still have to, like, relitigate this over and over and over again. It's the part of this episode that, that interests me the least. Uh, but we then uh, go back in time once again, back to the 14 days uh, earlier. Um, some The men that were captured i guess for lack of a better word at the clinic are lined up on their knees with their arms behind their heads uh the 
girl's mother from earlier is uh, in a tent with one of the soldiers, and uh, back in the in the uh, in the in the tent where all the men are lined up, uh, a a man, a white man, asks Luca uh, if Luca can speak French, and uh, then and wants him to relay a message to the soldiers that he's just a geologist like he's just there to study rocks he's not he's not part of the conflict he's has no has no dog in the fight um and this is another part of the like convenience of the writing of this episode like we have to have a a tall guy with dark kind of feathered shaggy hair that you know roughly approximates the appearance of luca like it's just it's a little convenient for my taste uh but uh, the geologist here is played by Peter J. Lucas, who appears in stuff like Inland Empire. He is the second of two Independence Day alumni in this episode. Uh, and one of my favorite, and I say this without a hint of irony, one of my favorite TV movies, like shitty TV movies that I watched dozens of times as a kid because it was on a movie channel late at night, Into Thin Air, Death on Everest, which is a TV movie based on a book about a real-life uh, situation that happened on Everest in the mid nineties, uh, where a freak freak blizzard came along and wiped out like dozens of climbers. Like it was, um, up until recently, I think it was the deadliest, um, uh, single kind of event on Everest ever. Um, they made a really very forgettable, not that interesting movie, uh, seven, eight years ago, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, that was, I think, just called Everest, that was based on the story. This, to me, is, in my opinion, the superior version of this story or the superior uh, depiction of this. Um, the book is also really great. I highly recommend everybody uh, who has any sort of passing interest in, like, disaster stuff or mountaineering or any of that stuff uh, into thin air. Just the book uh, by John Krakauer is a really excellent read. But this this um, TV movie stars... Uh, the guy who played shooter McGavin in fucking happy Gilmore. <laughs> like he's the, he is the, he's John Krakauer. Like he is the writer who wrote the book. Cause he was also on the expedition. So he was writing about his experience and, and the group and everything. And, uh, our geologist here who is played by Peter J. Lucas, he plays, uh, this giant like Russian mountaineer guy who insisted on climbing Mount Everest without, uh, supplemental oxygen, uh, and, uh, ended up, ended up dying. But yeah, so I just thought that was interesting. Like, I thought that was, and it was like so interesting. I've watched that stupid movie so many times that as soon as I saw this guy's face, I was like, it's that fucking guy. Like it was, it was a pure, <laughs> it was a pure, oh, hey, it's that guy moment. I love when those still happen. Right. Uh, so now that we can't belabor these points any further, uh, we have to go back into the, mm. uh, the darkness and the sadness where we see the mother from earlier see her dragged out of the tent as a man is pulling his pants up again i have to give them credit for making you making you deal with the shit but also not being exploitative and gross about it uh a truck pulls up and uh and one of the men is dragged into the one of the men lined up with luca is dragged into the tent and there is a very loud gunshot and then they come back clearly they're just picking these guys off one by one taking them to be executed sucks you know yeah super fun to watch it's uh yeah i mean it's like somebody said and again i can't remember if this is in the listener responses or not i apologies if it is but like it is like somebody said it's like it is an unflinching portrayal of this whole situation like they are not going to let you breathe for a minute they're not going to let you have your your 
your Romano cake, your Frank cake. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna let you turn your eyeballs away for one second. Like this is this is shitty, and they're gonna make you experience how shitty it is. And you know, I you can argue until you're blue in the face about the entertainment value uh, behind it, but I still feel like it was. <sighs> noble's the wrong word but i feel like it was i feel like it was admirable for an entertainment a solely entertainment driven thing to use their platform in this way like essentially punting an episode of television that they didn't other you know i don't think they're solely doing this for a ratings i mean they they lost three million viewers from last episode to this one so it's like it's, it's clearly not that they're doing this just to exploit it from a rating standpoint like they're clearly trying to send a message with these episodes and they're clearly have they clearly have something to say so um but then back in present present times carter debbie and jillian are uh in the truck heading over to cassis and carter is like you know why are you why are you helping me all of a sudden and again she says that uh again very very smooth hand wavy writing she's like you've come a hell of a long way i figure i can at least help you get these last few miles i changed my mind for reasons to be determined later like it's just you know <laughs> okay uh and they get there and the bodies from the clinic are uh in a burnt out school super fun uh 14 days I go if we're still there's no way this was 14 days ago. <laughs> uh soldier are taking soldiers are taking the men's shoes off and luke asks patrick if he's religious and the soldier rips off luca's medical badge hey there's your physical evidence uh luca says i couldn't believe in a god that what could allow such cruel things to happen it's really hard to feel the holy spirit's presence on a day like today and another man is taken back to shot, and poor Patrick tries to God. advocate for them in French, and is just shot point blank right in the Oof. forehead. The fact that they showed that absolutely took my breath away. Oh well, and then they uh, in another like in another scene or two here, they're gonna show like and not not a, as a focus of the scene, but they are. It is in the frame. Like you're, you'll see Patrick's body, like mm-hmm. with the wound and everything. Like it's it's a brutal portrayal. It is, it is rough. But I, because I was home alone and I audibly said, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. Like that's, that, but that's that, you know, 10 PM time slot. Like you can get away with shit like that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but then we go into the school with Carter and ooh, there are flies everywhere. Yeah. Um, he and the girls are retching and coughing from the stench and, the reveal here as he sees the shoe that we saw in the clinic earlier and then it pans up to the shirt and then the fan will pine up pan up and we see fan will pine up fan will pine up final pan up and we see that it's Patrick. oh holy shit just, just it's a lot and then um the soldier points out another man in the far side of the room and there's tension and Carter rolls him over and like Daniel said, it's the geologist. So everybody calm down. There's still hope for Luca. Right. And when this happens, this is where Carter gets up and like fucking gets in this guy's face. He shows Luca's ID to the soldier and Jillian asks if this kid was there when the clinics group were killed. And when he sees the picture, he goes, Oh yeah. Uh, the priest, 
in French. I can't remember what it is, mm-hmm. but it's like, oh yeah, the priest. Uh, and then we flash back to two weeks ago when um, the geologist the geologist is being dragged into the tent to be shot, and Luca is sitting now the last man here, last person from this group is shivering on the ground waiting for his turn and he puts his arms down and watches them go through everyone else's belongings he stares up at the sun and trees as a very very soft subtle music cue plays shout out to martin always doing great work um and he kneels and begins to pray in croatian and the soldiers yell and hear and yell that he's a priest and the girl's mom from earlier who gave him the cross insists that he is a priest and that you can't kill a man of god and they all kneel in front of him to pray with him yeah and so like on the music music for for the whole episode is really good um i'm not, i'm sure martin has some involvement in it as probably like an overall all, overall like music direction type of thing i do think that most of the music in this episode is licensed to some degree so I don't know how I can't I, I can't say how much like direct credit I can give to Martin for like composing mm-hmm. stuff. Fair. Um, but I'm sure he like I said, I'm sure he's involved in that whole process and like is he's working some magic here because the music is incredible. And like this is definitely the scene of the episode. Like this is this is the thing that people take away from this episode. This is the thing like when he goes kneels down and starts praying like he's at like maximum fucked up physical mm-hmm. physical appearance wise. It's a it's an excellent performance from Goran Vishnik and like it is it is a very powerful scene. Like it is it is an incredibly powerful moment. Um Yeah, like I just and, and going back to like some of the other stuff, it like again, the thing that I sort of like like sort of not cringe, not blanche, but like the thing that the thing that sort of just irks me, I guess, a little bit about the writing of this episode and, and how everything is constructed is that it feels like they don't give the viewer or the audience very much credit when it comes to like connecting dots themselves and like putting pieces together because like every little breadcrumb that has been has been dribbled along the way to lead you to the conclusion of like oh he maybe is still alive they there has been very little like subtlety with any of it like they kind of like there's like lingering camera shots on like oh he took the badge like what is he gonna do with the badge like like it's that it's shit like that where it's like it's almost like them pointing at it and going, "See, look at this. Remember that from earlier? Like, don't don't forget about that. It's going to be important Nuance in a minute." In my TV, yeah, just like, and it's it's not like they're incapable of doing that. They've done that at other times where they have been much more subtle. And I know it's network TV, and I'm I'm looking at that through a much more like modern kind of prestige TV kind of genre lens. Um, but it just there were there were several points throughout this episode where I was just like, come on, guys, give us more credit. Like, let we we can pay attention for longer than than thirty seconds without looking at our phones or or flipping the channels. Like, we can pay attention. Give us a little bit more credit. You don't have to go like, hey, see, the, remember this? Don't forget about it. it just mm, you know. But again, I do, I'm trying to head off the comments here. Please, it's great. It's a great episode. I still really enjoy it. I still have a glowing praise for it when we get to the end of the episode. And I have spoilers, a really hot take that people will hate even more than any uh, opinion I have about this episode. So he hasn't told us this yet. So buckle up, Lauren and I will be hearing it for the I first think, time. I think Lizzie in particular is going to hate it. I think Lauren oh. could probably come around and be like, "Oh, that doesn't seem like a terrible idea." But I feel like Lizzie's going to have big feelings about it. Uh. 
And we go back to Carter as we're hearing the voiceover of Luca praying. Uh, they drive up to the refugee camp. Soldier leads them into a tent where they find the girl and her mother and Luca huddled in a corner. And is he alive? Is he alive? Is he? Well, we trans we transition from that to the bed of the truck with no answer, creating a good sense of suspense. And we see Jillian with Luca's sweaty, tired head in her lap. Aww. Aww. And so this, this particular scene, really the second half, not the first half of them finding Luca. That's a great, you know, suspense moment. And like the transition is all very fine. It's them in the truck on the way back where I was like, all right, Chulak, you're getting a little penisy. Like you're just, I need you to like take your foot ever so slightly off the gas because we're getting a little too on the nose and a little too white savory. The like, the weird tight shot on Luca's dirty feet was a mm-hmm. was a weird one. That was like somewhere Quentin Tarantino has an erection and he's not sure why. Um, <laughs> and why? <laughs> As does Rex Ryan. But it was the mother. It was the mother looking at Carter and being like, "Thank you." Thank you. As Carter like is sweaty and like leaned back in the bed with of the, the shades, truck. with the, right. I was just like, okay, come on now. Like, <laughs> like you've been doing a good job up until now. Like you've been doing fine, but now I feel like you're getting a little too self indulgent. And so, like, mm. only the only a white doctor from America can ever help right. another white doctor who lives in America. I was just like, all right, come on now. So that that part took me out of it just a little bit, um, but. That takes us into the next scene where uh, Luca is loaded uh, into a plane to have to, to have medical transport taking him back to the States. Carter gives Luca a letter to give to Abby when he gets home. And uh, Luca's like very delirious, very feverish. And it leads to one of my favorite gifs in the show of like that is <laughs> that is uh, posted kind of routinely of Luca pulling Carter in closer to him so he can whisper something in his ear and then falling back down. It's such a perfect clip for like your friend that's drunk at a party and is desperate, (laughs) desperate to tell you something so important. And it's just like pizza rolls are great. Like it's like something, it's something completely mundane and stupid that, that could wait, but they're so drunk that they need to tell you. Um, and Luca tells or uh, Carter tells Luca uh, when he asks what he should tell Abby, he says to tell her that I was lost and now I'm found. And then, uh. and then the plane. Well, okay. So here's I know, I know, I know, I know. Here's the the hot take because the plane then flies away. We see you know Carter and Debbie and Angelique, you know, seeing the plane off and waving. It's very end of mash, like and. It's here where it looks like we're going to get the three best friends spinoff that that this was just all an extravagant backdoor pilot as we we drive off into the sunset. Here's my hot take with this, because also keep in mind, we're not going to see Carter for a while. Like we have about a six episode, six or seven episode gap before we will see Carter again. And this was for a very real life reason where Noah Wiley's getting a little bit uh uh, itchy like Noah Wiley's starting to, to think he would rather spend uh, more time at home than he would mm. doing shit like this so they gave him a couple of months off you know to recharge the batteries and and bring him back here's my hot take my hot take is and 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 like I was saying to you off off Mike Lauren um before we started I feel like 
if they were to actually do this, I do feel like maybe Kisangani, uh, and and it would also make the timeline work for this episode a little bit better. I do feel like there needs to be a middle episode. I feel like may I feel like a two episode, not quite two parter, is not sufficient to get the emotional impact that I'm going for here. But I do feel like if you tucked a little a third middle part in there to give it room to breathe, hit all the emotional notes that you need. Here's my hot take. I would have left Carter here for the rest of the show. Like we just don't see we just don't see Carter again until season fifteen. I don't hmm. I don't think you I, as much as I love Kem and as much as I can't wait to relitigate that whole fucking shit show. Fuck. Uh, with uh, that that's coming up, gang. That's like episode that's so soon. It's like episode. The whole thing is so soon. It's like episode ten of this season. Like it's coming up. Um. But as much as I love that character and as much as I think she does a lot of good for Carter as a character, I also think you could have gotten close, not all the way, but I feel like you could have gotten close to the same sort of kind of emotional evolution of that character by bringing him back in season 15 as man of the world who now suddenly happens to need a kidney transplant because of him getting stabbed back in season six. Like, I feel like you could have done a lot of those same things because... And, and again, like I told you, Lauren, I feel like the um, I feel like the uh, I'm maybe like painting with a broad brush where I'm like painting a lot of stuff in the next season and a half. Because remember, Carter's going to stop being a regular character somewhere in towards the end of season 11. Um, I'm maybe I'm painting a lot of stuff in there with a broad brush where I'm going I'm going like, yeah, none of that stuff really matters that much like you. You know, obviously some of it matters, you know, Kim and the baby and the whole thing. But like, you know, it's just like there's I feel like you could have done a lot of the same things that they ultimately ended up doing with Carter. If you just leave him here, let him be Africa doctor. And then he comes back with long hair and a really insane beard in five years when we check in with him when he needs a a, a kidney transplant. I just feel like that's, you know, that to me felt like that, a, a, it could have been a really fitting ending that was not the take i expected so all right see whereas i'm over here thinking like they should have just killed luca here oh no that i disagree with completely like <laughs> oh. i wouldn't i, I would not have i'm just luca. saying like if you want to talk about like exit episodes well yeah like i think this would have been a pretty damn good yeah well i feel like and well done exit episode but as it stands right now it just feels like they're trying to like clockwork orange, like hold your eyes open, and be like, "Do you see?" Yeah, well, <laughs> which, which they are, but like, and I agree that it feels like a great exit episode. But I think it is a great ex- exit episode for Carter because I feel like it is the ultimate realization of him finding his purpose and finding what makes him happy, and it's not in these pursuits of these like you know flawed you know uh, dysfunctional relationships back home, like. It's helping people. It is tr- it's always been the kind of core tenet of his character going all the way back to season one is that he wants to help people. And this is the best application of that, I feel like, to date. And so I, I don't think you would have lost very – and I don't even think you need to really check in on him that much because it's like you kind of – you made your point. Like you've kind of made your point with these episodes, at least for now. I'm glad they're going to give it a little bit of a break before they, they jump back into it. Um, And I, I just feel like – there's a lot of messaging in this episode, particularly from Carter, that has an air of finality to it. Like, it has, like, a he's at peace now. He's, he came in, he saved Luca, but he's also found his purpose, and he's also happy. 
And I feel like you could have done that. Like you could have just let him kind of drift off. Hear me out. We do both <laughs> and we get a spin-off show on TNT where instead of like it being falling skies that he does afterward this, it's just showing him trying to track down Lucas Killer. <laughs> Lizzie's like, I want Lucas' head on my desk by the end of this just, episode. He needs just to die. Him, just him and Mary McCormick just going on random just going on random adventures in the Congo. Yeah, and I think I think maybe if you want to have like a best of both worlds type situation, I think the substitution that I would make is I would delete Mary McCormick entirely from this episode and I would replace her with Kim. Because I feel like you could get all the same sort of, you know, positivity out of that relationship from Kim. And like have her because like ultimately Mary McCormick's character is not that important. Let's be honest. Like yeah. she just doesn't matter all that. She's much. a bit bigger of a role later yeah, on. Yeah, she has a bit bigger of a role later. But again, Brad it, is here. But it is sort of as like a la- <laughs> It's Carter. It's Carter looking over his shoulder at the pretty white blonde ladies over his shoulder before he leaves the party. Like that's what her role is later on, where he l- takes one last look at the pretty white blonde ladies before he's like, no, actually, I am happier with this other person. So, I don't know. Like, I just feel like her, her character could be easily substituted with someone else and you could achieve the same result. But, yeah, that's my hot take. I feel like I would have been – I would not have been mad. Just like just like at the end of Orion in the Sky, if that had been the last time we ever saw Mark and they just let him die off screen, I wouldn't have been mad at it. I would not have been mad either if they had just left Carter in Africa for five years and let him make some cameos during the last season. I think that would have been just fine. I definitely think it would have been an interesting redemptive choice. And I think you're right. If they were going to leave him, this would be the best place to do it. Yeah. Just clean if, cut. I would argue then that this, sh- this should have been the season nine finale if you were going to do that. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Because there's so much so much chaff you can cut You can cut in the middle in season nine. Sure. Where you could easily back up. You can cut two full episodes. Right. To have Kisangani... Now what? And then the loss. Right. And if they were if they were always thinking of it in those terms that they were trying to get to Carter's departure, then maybe they would maybe they would have gone that way. But obviously that's not the case. Obviously we do know that he's going to stick around for the rest of this season. And and I think most I can't remember when. Maybe it is the season eleven finale. I can't remember, but I'm sure dozens of you will tell me. Uh, <laughs> but overall, like I said, from a production standpoint, from a directing standpoint, cinematography music like every performance every single thing except for the writing i would give this episode a nine and a half out of ten the writing of this episode i would give like a seven out of ten it's just like babby's first draft and the writing and that brings it way down for me because at least with kiss and gani like i have a lot of the same problems with this episode that i do with that episode Mm -hmm. but that one had a coherent story. Right. This one is just a mess. And by all accounts, from what I was looking up while we were chatting about this episode, Carter should be dead. I mean, not Carter should be dead. Uh, Luca oh, absolutely. Should, should absolutely be dead. If you're talking, he's had malaria for almost three weeks. <laughs> Untr- uh. Like, barely treated malaria for almost three weeks. Yeah. Well, you know. Because you need heavy doses of some of those meds. Right. Yeah. To combat malaria. It definitely... Especially with an advanced case like Luca's. It's very sloppily, sloppily written in certain parts, and then in other parts, like I said, it gives the viewer no credit whatsoever. Like, it gives you no sort of faith that the audience has been paying attention, and so they have to, like, really 
yank the camera in certain directions to be like, don't forget to look at this thing. And yeah. that that does degrade it to some degree. But like I said, the other parts of the episode are so strong, in my opinion, that it doesn't ruin it. It just, I wish it, I feel like if it were better written, which is weird because it's John Wells. John Wells knows how to write a good episode. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand why this is so, like, first drafty. It's not even that it's badly written from a conceptual standpoint. It's just like dude just do it again like just write it again but better like just fix it like <laughs> this is this, this isn't hard you know how to do this so i don't know tweak your timeline to make it more realistic i'm sure there's someone who can look up this stuff yeah. i'm sure you have continuity at least one person who cares about continuity in your writer yeah room. that's the biggest thing i have to believe there's somebody in the room that pointed out like hey guys we didn't build in like a huge time skip between the two between season nine 22 and season 10 one like there's not this like weeks long break like there usually is like guys come on like <laughs> now i'm just imagining our scott gimmel uh in what's in what's in john wells ears like worm tongue from lord of the rings <laughs> i like or is that what his name is lauren yeah, i'm very proud of you yes that is i'm just i'm just I'm not even looking at Daniel because my eyes are swimming right now. But yes, I'm just visualizing this whole transaction happening right now. I like to Im- yes. I like to imagine that they had R. Scott Gimmel in a fucking like Loki cage in the corner, like where like <laughs> he's not allowed to make any boner jokes, like he's not allowed to make any cum jokes, like no, like we're doing Africa episodes right now, Scott. You need to sit your ass down, like take take a vacation. Go to Maui for the week. Like, you're just... Well, actually, they shot this episode in Hawaii. So <laughs> so maybe they just had him, like, at the tiki bar. Like, maybe they, they didn't let him come to set because he wasn't, you know, wasn't emotionally prepared to be a part of this episode. But yeah, I still wasn't a fan of it. I give it another six. I give it a six. Uh, seven, seven and a half out of ten. Like, it's one that I would put on, but it's not one that's in my, like, you know, top 20 that I have to watch if it's on in a little binge fine. But yeah, I think, and I also, I also really just think that it, you could ease up a little bit. Oh, this one's way more heavy handed than kissing Ghani. Yeah. Kissing Ghani. You could, you you really don't need to show Patrick getting shot in the face. Yeah. This one is on screen. This one, you could real easily just do that with a camera cut. Yeah. This one is uh, so much more heavy handed than kissing Ghani was like, it's in so many ways. Uh, I wish it it had just an ounce of subtlety to it, but um, it would. I think it will be interesting for me anyway. It'll be interesting to see when we get to the end of the Africa arc proper in 2006. So you know, there's a ways to go before we get there. It'll be interesting to see. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how those episodes work. As I'm gonna, I'm gonna use a group chat meme here as a miniseries. Like if you just take, <laughs> if you just take those episodes carve them out and just go watch them straight through maybe it works a little bit better you know it's like maybe maybe the maybe the lost is the age of ultron of africa episodes like it works better when it's part of the larger picture but as a standalone it's a little heavy-handed and it's a little like it was written by a freshman film student like it's just i'm telling you buddy cop show Carter and Mary McCormick, uh, Noah Wiley and Mary McCormick, just all the takeaways going around Africa, solving crimes and trying to so- solve the biggest crime of them all. Lucas murder of all the takeaways from this episode, Lizzie, that is unquestionably the worst one. Like that is, just, <laughs> we learned nothing from that. Like that, that was a terrible idea, but uh, Lauren, what did the listeners have to say? What? about it? 
they had they had very little to say. It's like the universe was taking pity on me today. I like to uh, think that the I like to think that the reason we only have two of these is because Jen and Aaron are both still writing their response, and it, <laughs> and it will be finished. <laughs> it will be finished somewhere around season ten, episode six. We will just dedicate an entire recording just to record their episode their responses because they're both going to be like a half hour long. Uh, with that being said. Kim G says, I wasn't a fan of it at first watching. The timeline didn't make sense. Carter leaves, takes a two-day journey home, starts back to work the next day, confirmed by his quick interaction with Susan during a trauma. She asks when he got back, and he said last night. There's a... He then gets a phone call about Luca and immediately leaves to go back. Assuming it takes another two days to get there, he's only been gone from Africa for five days. Meanwhile, Luca's story starts when Carter leaves 22 days ago. Anyway, that's my technical brain trying to figure, trying to work things out that shouldn't be analyzed this much. After rewatching, I liked the episode overall. I don't like the Dear Abby letter, but I liked seeing this side of Carter again and his determination. I like at one point when he gets back to the clinic, the other doctor says, you can assist with this gunshot wound, and he says, I'm not a surgeon. Please, of course you're a surgeon. Also, dating the show a bit, I like how Debbie had no idea what an iPod was. And Carter doesn't seem to be the type to come out, but he likes how it's simpler there. He and Benton should have started a clinic in Alabama. That would make a great comedy show. I changed my mind. This is not the worst <laughs> spinoff idea to come out of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> also, my random thought, thank you, uh, Kim, for reminding me of this. When the fuck did he have time to write this letter? Anyway, I, um, I, another takeaway with the letter too that is another feather in my cap of uh, let's make this Carter's last episode is we never have to hear the sanctimonious fucking letter read next episode, and it would be this endless source of exhausting uh, fan speculation for the next twenty years of what, what was in the letter. What was in the letter? We are the worst stewards of fandom for this it's show true. ever. We Anyway, uh, wow, they make Luca look awful. The makeup department make him look paler and paler during each subsequent scene he's in. Damn Noah Wiley. His eye acting is just wow. You can see every emotion just from his eyes. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. For those of you not looking at a visual medium, there is a heart emoji in here. Uh, I was very upset. <laughs> you gotta give context. I was very upset when they killed Patrick and the archaeology guy, but thank God Luca started praying when he did. I definitely like this episode. You can see the real Dr. Carter. And last but certainly not least, we have at Simply Swooning says, Apologies in advance for the paragraph. This episode is one of my all-time favorites. Starting with the performances, this ep and Kisangani are definitely some of Garan's strongest. Uh, Noah does great here, but the Croatian sensation is winning all the scenes here, and the guest stars are killing it. Luca has been struggling with his faith since his family died, and in the moment when he decides to pray for his life, I think it's truly the moment where he starts to let go of the past. He'd started to after the bishop, but definitely took a couple of steps back. I think it's his eagerness to move forward after being stuck for so long is what affects a lot of his decisions in this season and the next one. He's been spared a second time, so it's time to start living for now. This is my favorite of the Africa episodes by a mile, and although the white savior criticisms are valid, I think it also hits at a hard truth about first world, third world interaction. Carter is one guy with resources at his disposal to navigate an impossible situation. So if the first world 
was determined to help the third, they could. But that's for another time. Enter the Carvac era. I'm ready for it. Those two finally being adults to each other is one of the happier arcs of season 10. Amen. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast. Where for the low price of only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and over 75 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free form multi bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where you talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. Did, what, did we get poll results yet, Daniel? Uh, there is, as we're recording this, so by the, by the time this episode posts, I'm pretty sure the polling will have closed, but as of right this second, uh, Mulan has a razor thin lead Ooh. over the other two. Uh, in character retrospectives, where we reflect on departed main cast members, could have been Carter. That's all I'm saying. And Luca. Right? We'd, <laughs> we'd appreciate if you would follow us on our social media accounts as well. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tone Podcast, and we are at Silent Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Silent Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel Workbooks. Find you at. They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u.e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren Workbooks, find you at. Uh, folks can find me taking a nap and not posting this week. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I am at randomgamer1. That's GAM3R as always. Uh, thanks again to everyone very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week. Bye.